welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Salem, hello, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am great. How are you doing? I'm I'm well, doing as well as I can. Yeah, I'm hanging in there actually. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. So where are you hanging in there from? If you're cool talking there. about that. Yeah, of course. I am in Mississippi at my mm -hmm. parents' house out um, in Madison, Mississippi, in the woods in my guest bedroom. Very specific. Yeah. <laughs> facing, facing, I think this is, uh, I'm facing east. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So people I, can- I keep being, I keep being yeah. like, which side of the tree does the moss grow on? Um, but yeah. <laughs> Long as you could give like a general latitude and longitude of your exact location. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. No, that's that's okay. How long have you been hanging out in Mississippi? This is week seven. Mm. Crazy enough. Yeah. What uh, what made you originally want to to hang out in Mississippi rather than bunker down in Boston? So I live by myself for the first time in my life, and I live in a four hundred square foot studio apartment that I love and I'm very proud of, but I don't have great Wi-Fi. I get I get major cabin fever, and it just felt like the right move for me to to come be at home with my parents. My cat came with me, and he is really thriving down here as well. So, any excuse I have to come down or come home is is really is nice. I generally take that when I can. So. Right. That's great. Uh, have you, so I guess when we start going back, have you even thought about what that's going to start looking like or even what date that may even be? Oh, Gary, that is a hot question <laughs> these days. Well, here's the conundrum is that my beautiful apartment <laughs> is very expensive and my lease is up August 1st. So I have to either find somewhere else to live or extend my lease and I know they're going to raise my rent. So I could potentially be just like a full-blown nomad for the rest of the year. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to get answers from work as to if and when the office is open, kind of who's coming in first. Um, it was described to me today. I'm going to look at my notes because I was like, oh, this is a very diplomatic way of putting this. So I want to keep remembering how to say this. Oh, okay. Um, our insert company name has a timeline, but it's not anchored to any date. So it's like we're kind of ready to go and we mm -hmm. know what that contingency plan looks like, but 
that could be, okay, start June 1st, start October 1st. Like, ugh, that just yeah. no idea. But what about you? <laughs> Do I have any contingency for going back to work? Yeah. I don't. I, so I actually had a, a conversation with a colleague about this earlier today. And the cool thing about all of this has been the fact that the team, our, our team is pretty flexible and isn't location specific. So even yeah. when the office opens up again, we're not going to be the first ones who go back. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're, we're similar in that. And I received some similar feedback or, you know, a similar message from a colleague that I can do my job effectively anywhere. And that could mean remote or, you know, I'm like, part of me is like, ooh, take advantage of this. Like, go work from Paris for the rest of the year. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, global pandemic. Like, it's not exactly like free reign. But um, no, but I bet you Paris, Texas is going to be open up pretty soon. Ooh, you're right. About that. <laughs> I bet there's a Paris, Mississippi pool. Probably is there's a Paris, Indiana. I mean, if as long as you're flexible with Paris, <laughs> then we'll you've always got a lot have of... Paris, you know. Exactly. <laughs> we'll always have a Paris. That's the, right. the 2020. That's right. So, how are things in Mississippi then? As you're, I'm assuming. Well, I guess how often are you out and about, and what is it like when you do? Go yeah, out? I mean, Mississippi is not known for uh, being the most progressive place in the country, in the world. Um, I would say, God, it's just such a different experience because we're not a big city. Like, we're not on top of each other when things are open. Mm -hmm. But people are out and about as usual. I think the only, only if you just kind of woke up from a coma and like went out, I think the only thing that would be different is that restaurants aren't open and some people are wearing gloves and masks and there's some signage everywhere, but it almost feels like there's more people out and about going for walks and going to the grocery store just like for something to do. Mm -hmm. um, a, lot of, a lot of stir craziness. Um, I mean, fortunately we're having, we're starting to have really nice weather here so people are wanting to get outside like go out on a boat go to the beach like the beach of the mississippi river kind of beach <laughs> not a beautiful <laughs> glue crashing wave beach um yeah i don't know we kind of have like a bit of a dimwit governor <laughs> it was one of those things where kind of back around easter I mean, Mississippi is obviously a very religious state, it's like religion rules a lot of politics and, and what we do here. And it was just so funny in the press conferences, like Governor Reeves would, I call him Tater Tot, Tate Reeves, Tater Tot. It's like his, his nickname around here. But old Tater Tot would say like, you know, no, public gatherings of more than 10 people, like no worshiping, like no, what's, what am I trying to say here? Like no groups of worshipers of more than 10 people. 
mm-hmm. unless you have to. Like, it was, there was always, like, a caveat. It's like, it's like, he was like, you know, don't come together in groups of more than 10 people unless necessary. And so I feel like you could always make the case of, like, well, this is necessary. Like, it's Easter, or this is necessary. Like, I'm bored. <laughs> so, so I don't know. You know, but my friends, so my closest friends are still like my childhood friends and they actually all happen to live in the Jackson area. And I haven't seen any of them in the seven weeks since I've been home. Like they themselves have been more strict than I have about like, oh, don't come over here. And, you know, I don't want to catch anything or I don't want to get sick. And I just all of this has made me realize how like not careful my family is. We're being respectful, but all that to say is like my family, my parents' house is beautiful and it's on some land. And so I don't feel cramped up and I'm fortunate enough to be able to get outside a lot and like get some fresh air. There's always chores to do, you know, feeding animals and like doing yard work, that sort of stuff. Um, So when I, so it's not like, oh my God, I haven't left the house in four days. It's like, oh, I haven't left the house in four days. Like maybe I should go to the grocery store. You know, I don't have cabin fever here. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You have, you know, space to go out and about. It's like, I mean, my, my parents are in Indiana. It's the same thing. They have, you know, a, a few acres that they can walk around on. And so they're not like, they're just apart from driving places, they're going about their day like they normally would because they've got stuff to do around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You just didn't, you wouldn't have that things to do around the house if you were still in your Boston apartment. Right. Only so many drawers you can clean out, you know? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm getting to that part, um, in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was lamenting like yesterday. She's like, I haven't had a, I haven't had a second to like do any project that I've been putting off it's like work is still I mean fortunately work is still really busy and you know life goes on and that there are still chores to do and things to keep up around the house it's not like oh now I have all this free time on my hands that I would have otherwise spent out in town (laughs) like now I'm gonna like reorganize the photo albums it's like that's not what we're doing at all Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) well since we've kind of broached the subject uh so how do you describe yourself and what you do um I would describe myself as an experience enthusiast that's like my catch my catchphrase there Mm -hmm. um professionally I am an industrious operations manager so I uh organize systems and processes to hopefully um, and enthusiastically lead teams towards a common goal. Yeah. Uh, but I like to think that my persona is like hostess with the mostest. I like to design experiences and make sure everyone feels supported and taken care of in a way that's appropriate in the workplace. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm working uh, on my personal brand, Jerry. Yeah. I I like it. That's the, you have the most interesting way that you've described your job than anybody I've interviewed so far. So I want to thank you for that one. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. So let's, I, I do have one like question that I want to get to here. And that's, I, I'm looking at your bio on LinkedIn and do you have a BA in art history 
media culture communications, childhood and adolescent mental health studies from NYU, which is awesome. So a couple of things. Why did you choose to go to NYU for arts? And how did that lead you to where you are right now? Good question. So yeah, I'm from a pretty small town in Mississippi and went to a very small school. I went to kindergarten through senior year with the same 65 other people. And so 65? Six, I graduated, it was a graduating class of like 68, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, very small school. And I think come high school, I just knew I wanted a big city experience, big city college experience. Um, and like, what's a bigger city than New York? Um, I was a dancer growing up. So I always loved like performing arts, but that was never going to be a profession for me, but I still wanted to maintain some like artsiness about me. I think I like really leaned into that in high school. <laughs> um, and truthfully, I, I took an art history class in high school and I loved it. And it was just really interesting. And again, I like, get fed into this persona that I think I was some like moody teenager who was like really into gossip girl and like, just thought I was just gonna like move to New York and like work for Sotheby's and just like be this, this person. Um, and I loved NYU and I loved my experience there. It was not a traditional college experience. I think awesome. I would go back, I would go back and I would do NYU differently if I could. Yeah. Like how? Like, I think, I think I kind of got there and lived like I was just living in the city and going to school. Like I, I, I mean, NYU, it's a huge school. There aren't, you know, there aren't sports teams or big, there's not a big like campus culture and you have to really look for it and it's not that I didn't look for it like I had friends I was I was in a sorority like I was in clubs that sort of thing but but I was very interested in living in New York and going and also going to school and like having internships like I wanted I wanted to get the New York experience in addition to like being a student there mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. Oh, and it's also just customary for NYU students to like move quote unquote off campus after freshman year. Cause like, you know, moving, it's the same price to live in a dorm as it is to like live in some East village apartment. So, you know, it just, it just felt like a different, um, yeah. different lifestyle. So you were there from 2012 to 2016. How, how, what was it going from Mississippi to New York city? You know, I get this question so often that I should have some like thoughts. <laughs> I mean, like as expected, it was very different. I had never like lived far from home for that long or in such a big city or by myself. And I was so obsessed with like being independent. In retrospect, I was so eager for a lifestyle that was very different from like being in a small town, everybody knowing everyone, having your identity. Like I was just all about not that. <laughs> um, but it was great. And I have 
wonderful friends and great experiences and like grew up like grew up in New York like I was an 18 year old in New York City like acting like I was thinking that I was acting like I was like 25 years old but I was really just acting like an 18 year old that was acting like she was 25 years old <laughs> I think I've seen that movie before mm -hmm. yeah great so while you were still going to school you got an internship at Autodesk in San Francisco why so why Autodesk and why San Francisco okay honesty hour <laughs> <laughs> so I um I actually was uh on track to graduate a semester early and so there was a lot of pressure around what my internship would be between like my junior and my senior year that summer because Traditionally, you know, if you're going into like finance or consulting or, you know, a bigger corporation type job like that, like you do a major internship before you graduate and then that hopefully turns into a job offer. Um, and prior to my internship at Autodesk, like all of my work or internship experience had been in fashion or art or political campaigns. So things that were interesting to me and that I learned a lot of soft skills at, but like yeah. strategic and that like I wasn't going to get some competitive job offer at any of these places that I'd formerly interned at. So I started to think, you know, I had older friends in college and my brother is a little older than me. And so I, I saw their experience of like the security, honestly, of just being able to graduate with a job that they had experience in via an internship and, and what have you. And so part of my search was to hopefully nail an internship that was a little more structured in that way. Um, and I was also really curious about the West Coast. I think similar to my desire to just kind of try out New York, I was like, okay, well, what is, what is San Francisco like? Um, my brother, who's a, a year older than me, has some friends um, that lived in San Francisco. One of his friends worked at Autodesk and spoke highly of the internship program and kind of the intern like the recent grad hires um and so i just kind of applied and i applied for a gallery marketing programs internship which is just a lot of words but it was it were words that kind of piqued my interest because i was an art history major and i was like oh i know what a gallery is and i know what marketing is and like I know what programming is. So those things together, like, I feel like I get that. And then I show up and it's not to say that like, I didn't enjoy or I wasn't prepared for that internship, but I was like, oh, I don't know anything about tech and like architecture and engineering and, and that sort of thing. So it was a great experience. And, and it was the first time that I had had any sort of internship or job that was structured and that I had autonomy and you know, it felt like I was a, an adult, which was great. I feel like my entire life, I've just like wanted to feel like I was an adult. <laughs> I was going to point that out that there's a theme that's developing here. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is therapy. <laughs> what <does that> mean? <laughs> great. Okay. So, so what I find interesting. Um, oh, wait. Oh, go ahead. I forgot. But like, is the honesty hour part of that story was like, there was a boy in San Francisco that I had the biggest crush on that I was like, oh, I'll go there for a summer and he'll fall in love with me. And then like 
check, like we'll do that, but yeah. that, that didn't happen. Oh, is that because the was the boy not as interested as in you as you were in in him, or just went another no. way? No, like it, I don't that I don't think I ever even saw the boy over the summer. <laughs> but I did. I made really wonderful friends, and like I have a beautiful career now. Like <laughs> I, I owe so much to this teen crush that I had. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, so part of also what I want to bring uh, and ask you about is so you you went from internship to being full time at Autodesk, where you which is where you've been since then. And it's a it's a unique position on this podcast because I, I usually don't have, uh, or at least come across people who have an artist, artistic background who go directly into the corporate world. Mm -hmm. So So what has that been like working for a large corporation compared to maybe some of the careers that your colleagues are doing right now? Yeah. That's a great question. I think of all the subjects that I chose to study closely in school, mm -hmm. psychology is has been the most useful throughout my professional career, which is, is funny to say. Um, and I've always been interested in the ways in which we communicate and present ourselves to the world and how people interact and the social intelligence component to to life mm -hmm. um and that is front and center in any corporate environment i mean like i don't think i knew what corporate culture was until i experienced it and i was like oh i get this and oh i get what people are trying to do and how having some sort of psychology background could be <laughs> helpful in this scenario. Um, I do think that I, I like being a creative mind in a room that is traditionally more structured or corporate. We'll just keep using that word. Um, and, and it's different because like Autodesk is a very creative artistic company. I mean, like we make design software, we're a design company, but uh, I've, I don't know. I need to think about that. Hmm. I like the security. I mean, like, I'll just be honest. I like the security and the, the structure of a, of a company like this, because when the structure is in place, I then can feel like comfortable enough to be creative and to bounce around and to collaborate with people and to get new ideas. And like, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of teams, like be a part of new teams at Autodesk and like new projects, new initiatives, new programs. So I think that that's been a really good fit for me because I do like that, the structure that allows you to be creative, if that makes sense. Yeah. So Autodesk is a, a tech company, and most people, when they think of tech companies, obviously there's a lot of computer scientists and and programmers involved, and and that has not been your background. How has how has your background in the arts helped you in this environment with with people who have, let's say, a more traditional tech focus than you do? Mm. 
I keep coming back to like creative communications and experiential design, experiential marketing, like thinking about brand and how we're communicating this nebulous thing. <laughs> it's funny because I don't consider myself as someone like with a background in the arts because it, because I, I'm not artistic. Like I don't. But you study art history. I studied art history. I didn't study like. That's still the arts. You, you oh, have a. <laughs> so that what's well, interesting on, on. I feel like truthfully. A, a I feel like I, yeah. I feel like truthfully I had a better narrative or like I had a more cohesive narrative of like how my studies fit into like the work I was doing in the year or so after I graduated mm -hmm. because that was still top of mind and I was like bridging that gap between student and professional and like turning my mind off of these like random facts about St. Paul's Cathedral and like architects of the papacy and now I'm like thinking about strategy and you know programs and marketing and, and things like that so I think in that first year or so I probably had a more eloquent way of describing how my studies informed the way that I was working or like my decisions but I think since then it's really been the psychology piece that's mm -hmm. been more that's been more this has been something I kind of tap into more than I do like art history yeah. but I love art history it was just art history was very enjoyable to me why is that I was I was cliche in that like there's some meme out there I'm sure I'm sure you put it on your Instagram by now <laughs> like like I was that person who went to college and like majored in something that I enjoyed mm -hmm. and I didn't do it because I I think very early on I was like well I don't want to work in a gallery like I don't enjoy this enough to kind of be scrappy about it like I enjoy it in the highbrow way of like I love going to the Uffizi and like knowing the shit on the walls like that that makes me so excited and I like I like the story behind things and the drama and like being able to pull in things that I learned from art history and like make more sense of history mm -hmm. in general like I love fun facts I told actually Funny enough, last night I was FaceTiming with a friend and we did like a virtual tour of the Louvre. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, God, I miss art history so much because I love fun facts. <laughs> just being able to be like, did you know that this and this and this? So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this is all over the place. You're going to have so much fun editing this. I, well, I mean, the, the truth is I don't usually edit these at all. So this will be interesting. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. Well, we will press on. So, <laughs> so like you're my flow. <laughs> exactly. So with what you've been doing in the, on your day job has also allowed you to have other, explore other interests. One of which, which is what I would like to ask you about is yoga uh, and mindfulness. So when did, when did you first get into yoga? I took my first real yoga class in college um, and I didn't love it, but it was something to do. Again, I grew up dancing and so I was always into 
Pilates and bar and the more like lower impact artistic mm-hmm. movement based exercise. Um, I've never, I hate car. I don't like to raise my heart rate. <laughs> so, so I don't tend to like get really jazzed about running or cycling or hit workouts. It sounds just not fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think there's something this is going to sound so woo woo, but like I, there's something that I love so much about being able to exercise or like get in touch with oneself, like in bare feet. I don't mm-hmm. know. To me, it's very grounding. And like, again, I could listen to myself later and like totally roll my eyes, but like there's something truly so grounding about like doing something for yourself that's meant to either relieve stress or like improve your mood or release endorphins, that sort of thing. But to do it barefoot and like in your most grounded, like free state is is something that I just like, it makes me feel so good after regardless of the class or how long I do it. Like just being barefoot is really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, so you, so you first got into, so in college, you said you did it. Yeah, a bit. So, Would you so say I, that you like got into it, or was like, yeah, I took it, then no, I so, forgot about so I took it. For a, yeah, I like. I was trying to remember. I took a yoga class. I took a couple of yoga classes with like roommates. Um, yoga for the People is like a pretty famous studio or collection of studios in New York, and it's mostly donation-based classes for his like traditionally for teachers who are trying to get their hours in so that they can become a certified teacher or like they're raising money for something. Um, and so yoga to the people, we would go there like as a sorority group or, you know, with roommates, whatever. Um, but mostly in college, any exercising or like artistic release type things I was doing was like Pilates or bar, that sort of thing. Um, and then actually when I moved to San Francisco, I think just in an effort to like establish a routine and like be an adult that like works out once a day (laughs) like has something to do um I started going to core power yoga which I absolutely love and Mm -hmm. again like isn't traditional yoga it's yoga flow or like it's a hot like a faster tempo yoga you can do yoga with weights um and then I like I got class pass this was when all like boutique fitness was starting up and so like I got class pass and through class pass like tried out a lot of different yoga studios in San Francisco. So I would say like that is where I started practicing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I also like too that like yoga is a practice. Um, and then now in Boston, um, I had been going to core power yoga in my neighborhood as well. Really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much that in an effort to get free yoga, I worked as like basically like a the custodian there for a couple of months. So I would like clean mats and like clean the bathrooms and wipe down the studios after class and in turn like would get a discounted membership rate. Um, I stopped doing that because it was just it just wasn't worth it. But um yoga has also been great for me because I have a lot of back problems so one of the reasons why I stopped dancing seriously is because I had two 
spine surgeries for scoliosis. So I have a, a metal rod in my back and hmm. because of that have pretty limited mobility. Um, and so I think traditionally, you know, if you were to just like look up yoga on Google images, you would see like crazy backbending poses and all of these like twisting things. And, and yeah. while I can't do that, yoga has been great for me in building my core muscles and, and in turn, like releasing some pressure off of my lower back and back. And so it's just been really good for, for my body too. It's been, um, restorative in yeah. a way that other exercises haven't been. Good, good. How has yoga been helping you during this whole quarantine thing? Yeah. So, um, so I went on a yoga retreat through a studio in New York called Y7. They're actually now New York and Los Angeles, and I think Chicago. Um, but it's like a pretty hip studio. And it's yoga in the dark with candles in a heated room to like hip hop music. Like it's boutique fitness yoga. Mm -hmm. But um, my dear friend from home, follow them on Instagram. They advertise some yoga retreat in Tulum in February. And obviously that sounds amazing. So we, we signed up and we went kind of not really knowing what to, what we were getting ourselves into because, you know, I say I love yoga, but like, I'm not going seven days a week. Like I can't do any fancy handstands. Like I can't, I, I just, I like the, the practice of it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but in Tulum in Mexico, there was like a week long retreat with a bunch of different workshops. And we did yoga twice, sometimes three times a day. Like we practiced inversions. There was all these different mindfulness practices. Um, and interestingly enough, like I got back from that trip kind of right as this COVID stuff was, was starting um, and made like great connections there and like really loved my two instructors that we had. So like we follow them on Instagram and they have been posting like daily lives that you can tune into and um, like pretty, pretty much every studio everywhere has gotten on this like virtual train in one way or another. So I've been doing a little bit of live yoga classes with my, with an instructor that I had from the Tulum retreat, but um, I've also really started loving this woman named Melissa Wood and she has uh I don't even know if it's a studio but she has like virtual workouts called Melissa Wood Health and it's yoga and Pilates combined I love Pilates Pilates was like my first love besides ballet um and so combining those two things just feels really really great and I get to do a barefoot <laughs> right which and, is and like the best part too is like you can pick a 15 minute flow or you know anything from like 15 minutes to like a 90 minute flow and like it's just you put into it you get out what you put into it i think wow i'm just like having all these insights about myself <laughs> there's like there's a structure to both yoga and Pilates traditionally of like how a flow works or like how mm -hmm. a sequence of moves go. And I love that because like, regardless of a 15 minute or 90 minute practice, like I know kind of the arc of how that time is going to be structured. And then it's up to the creativity of the instructor to 
change that up. So, so there's like a psychologically some comfort in knowing what I'm getting myself into. And if I'm like in one part of the flow being like, okay, I know I'm like three quarters of the way there. Like I can stick this out. There's like a, a mental aspect to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Well, good. So, um, so you, you are someone with whom I ask a lot of questions about yoga and now have a yoga mat. Thanks to your recommendation. So for the, the listeners who are in a similar place as I am and are brand new to yoga, uh, let's, can you give us some resources? So yoga mats, I mean, I have one now, but yoga mat, what do you recommend? Okay. So I feel like your traditional yoga mats or like, let me start over. You've got your Lululemon. You've got your Gion. Is that how you say it? G-I-A-M. Like a, that's like a yoga brand. Um, and then what's the one with the frog on it? That's what I got. Uh, Manuka or something? Yeah. Manduka. Manduka. Yeah. Shows how much of a yogi I am. So I have a Lululemon yoga mat that I do not like because it's so so heavy and it's pretty slick. So when I do yoga with my yoga mat, I always put a grippy towel down. Um, Usually because I'm doing yoga in a heated room and like, I'm not sweating a lot, but I just like the feeling of the towel versus the slickness of the mat. But Mm -hmm. I really like those Manuka. Manduka. Manduka. I pull it out again. Yeah. Not sponsored. Manduka. Right. Exactly. Definitely not sponsored. By <laughs> I that. really like those Manduka and Yam yeah. mats because they're squishier and they kind of have that like porous texture to them. And the more that you use them, the better they feel because you wear them in and so that's how you can tell like a true yogi is if their mat is worn in yeah oh good okay yeah i mean mine so mine's only like a couple weeks old but i can definitely so i before this i took one yoga class at the y and didn't realize until after the class that they actually never clean their mats ever they should hire me (laughs) totally should you should go to the marblehead y You'd actually you'd like it. The Boston Ballet also practices there because of course they do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so after that, that's when I contacted you and was like, oh, I can't go out of the house now. I need a yoga mat. So I'm glad that you recommended this one because it's great. It's much better than my slippy, slippery wood floors. Yeah. I don't think I'm some yogi now, but I do think that being on this, like having participated in this yoga retreat Mm -hmm. gave me a new perspective on yoga because I think prior to the retreat like I loved yoga because it was again like artistic it was a practice it was kind of cutesy not cutesy is not the right word but like I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it but after the fact like we talked a lot on the yoga retreat about like Instagram yoga and then like real yoga Mm -hmm. and how there's often like preconceived notions like okay Instagram yoga is the super skinny flexible people who 
you know, nowadays are in these like really flashy matching sets, like that costs like $200, like yoga clothes are so expensive. And then you have like, just like your stereotypical traditional yoga person who's like the Grace and Frankie type, like dreadlocks, like old, you know, in those like balloon pants, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I liked the retreat so much because it was all about like traditional, it was all about yoga technique, but like a modern approach to that. And that I, lo- I loved getting technical about it. Cause I think that's where like my dance background came in. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. And I think there was a time when I was like, Oh my God, if I'm going to do this, like I want to be able to do the fun handstands. Like that was my goal coming mm-hmm. into the, we had to sit around a circle and like all share our hopes and dreams of the week long yoga retreat. And mine was like, I want to be able to do a handstand because like, that's what everyone wants to do when they start doing yoga. And I wanted to do it. I wanted to take a picture of myself in this really cute white yoga outfit that I bought just for the occasion. Like I literally bought that yoga outfit thinking, okay, when I get my handstand, even if it's just for like one second, like quick enough for someone to take a picture, I'm going to look so yoga girl. (laughs) But by the end of the week, of course it was like, oh, it's all about technique and like, you know, yoga for the sake of, loving kindness and like practice versus fancy tricks and like you props are there like the the most advanced yoga person in the room will always be the one using props and not vice versa and I think that those are just like Mm -hmm. some misconceptions about yoga and like the Instagram world is that if you have to use a block or a strap then you're not flexible or you're not good or you're not advanced or you haven't practiced for a while. And in reality, it's like, that's a telltale sign that like, you know what you're doing, you know? (laughs) I do. Um, Because with that one yoga class I took, I was the person not using any blocks because I didn't, first off, I had no idea why they did, but I was like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'll just, I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll just use my body weight or whatever. It should, it should be fine. And then I was like, later on, at the end of the hour, and it felt like I was there for forever. I understood why they use a lot of these things. Because yeah. I was exhausted and uh, not flexible at all. So tell me about Yoga Nidra. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yoga Nidra was not a pleasant experience for me. It, it wasn't. So I... I have, so I've experienced, I guess I I have a very, I guess, like just on the surface yoga nidra experience in that I was at a event a couple, like four years ago, and somebody there just recommended that people listen to this, these recordings, basically. And so that's as much as I'm familiar with it are these recordings I have on my iPhone where I just sit there and listen to the sound of, of a, a very soothing voice and ultimately fall asleep through most of it and then wake up and feel a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Um, so what is that? So what does it mean to you and what is it like? Yeah. So side? to be fair, I've only, Oh, sorry. To be fair, I've only done yoga Nidra once and it was mm-hmm. during, this, it was at this retreat back in February and it was, 
yoga nidra with reiki two things that i didn't know anything about like i had heard reiki i had heard about reiki and like energy fields and all that and like i'm a skeptic but i'm also like the first person to like binge watch the goop series like i i'm all for that anyway so yoga nidra is this state of consciousness between waking and sleep it's it's kind of like hypnotizing you <laughs> and the way that it was explained to me is that like if effective or like if done correctly yoga nidra is this transient state of being that in 45 minutes is the equivalent of like one full rim cycle so come out of it incredibly refreshed and calm and centered and it's you know i've since kind of googled it and you know it's used a lot for people with post-traumatic stress disorder and you know people with like insomnia and other sorts of sleep disorders but i did not have a pleasant experience and i don't know if it was the reiki or i was just like so high strung i run i run pretty anxious in case you can tell that about me but um you know everything was great at first so basically you do a really light flow just for me it was more like just like getting your blood kind of pumped a little bit and then you're in savasana which is just laying on your back um, or you find a comfortable position and there were blankets and you could prop the pillow under your knees if that were more comfortable whatever you're supposed to get comfortable and just close your eyes and then it's like a moderator or someone with a soothing voice walking you on this journey and the idea is that like it's just kind of nonsensical and at a point you kind of stop paying attention and that's when you're in this meditative state um but to get you there there's a lot of attention or at least in the session that i did there was a lot of attention paid on like feel your big toe feel your second toe like feel your right ankle feel your left ankle and i was like oh my god it's working like i can feel this and it was like oh feel like you're as light as a feather or like feel like you weigh a thousand pounds and like that right there mm-hmm. was what like incited like a panic and a full-blown panic attack in me because i was like okay like i'm over this it's kind of like i got snapped out of the trance and then wanted to get back in but like couldn't mm-hmm. and then i started just freaking out like why can't i relax it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy of like everyone else is relaxing. Why can't I relax? I just want to relax, damn it. And then of course I couldn't relax. And I was like, so high strung about not being able to relax. Um, but it was so anxiety inducing to me because like when it feels like everyone around you is super chilled out and meditative and just like basically asleep. And there's this person walking in the, around the room speaking nonsense, but the nonsense is like, follow me down a long, long road where there's green and yellow and pink and red. Like it was just on and on and on mm-hmm. to where I was like, oh my God, I got to get out of here <laughs> to just get up and run. Cause I was like, pick it up. Yeah. So it wasn't a pleasant experience. I would love to do it again. And it was upsetting to me that it didn't work on me. Didn't love yoga nidra. Would try again. Yeah. 
goal in life is to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so now that again, like all of us, you're you're in this this COVID nineteen quarantine world. What so with the do you do yoga videos right now, or do when you do yoga, do you just go and do yoga? Oh no, I like to be instructed. I yeah. like being told what to do. Okay, so what are your favorite videos to watch? So I would look up Sarah Sarah Randall. Okay. On Instagram, I can find her handle. She's delightful. Okay. Sarah Lynn's Randall, like Lindsay, but Lynn's Randall. Um, she's great. And then I would say Melissa Wood Health. She does more yoga, or excuse me, she, Melissa Wood Health does more Pilates than traditional yoga, but she combines the two and these really accessible videos, you know, anywhere from like eight minutes to, again, like 45 minutes, 90 minutes. Um, so those are the two that I'm tuning into most. Um, but okay. Sarah, Sarah works at Y7 Yoga and Y7 will do some live streams throughout the week. Um, and Y7 is cool because they'll have like Diplo come and DJ while you do yoga, if that's your thing. <laughs> All these Diplo songs that I know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what is okay. Diplo sing? <laughs> anyway. Great. Uh, okay. And before we go, tell me about J Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. Oh my God. My one true love. So Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams is the best ice cream in the entire world. And if you have any questions about flavors, I have tried mm, 90, 90% of her flavors. It's mm -hmm. just really the best ice cream. And Jenny's has been in the news a lot lately. Because did you see that interview with Nancy Pelosi on one of the Jimmy's, Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, how are you relieving stress these days being, you know, Speaker of the House and all? And she's like, ice cream, and then pulled open her freezer, and it's like pretty much all Jenny's ice cream. But <laughs> people were slamming her because Jenny's ice cream is expensive Yeah. in the ice cream world. Like, it's not... $15 a pint, but it's not your Haagen-Dazs. Like it's not your Ben and Jerry's, um, but it's worth it. And Jenny Britton Bauer, who is Jenny mm -hmm. of Jenny Splendid Ice Cream is truly just like a really splendid lady. And I would encourage everyone to read about her. <laughs> Follow her on Instagram. What's your favorite flavor? Or let's do top three flavors. Okay. My top three flavors yep. are from three to one. So my okay. third favorite flavor is Brambleberry Crisp, which I would say is Jenny's most infamous flavor. Mm -hmm. um, my second favorite flavor is Salted Peanut with Chocolate Flex. Delicious. It's like peanut butter ice cream with little chocolate shavings. And then my absolute favorite Jenny's ice cream flavor is a bit of a hot topic because it's not in Jenny's top sellers, but it's cream puff. And I don't even like cream puffs, not in ice cream form, but Jenny's ice cream cream puff flavored is mm -hmm. just beyond words. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. cream puff, man. But we should do a podcast episode just about ice cream. <laughs> we really should. I think we'll do a follow-up just 
yeah. while, we're, while we're both eating some some Jennies. Um, I have to, so I have a couple of flavors just because I found them locally. Do you, so we're talking about ice cream, do mm. you order Jennies online or do you find it locally? So when I'm in Boston, it's pretty easy to find locally at like a Whole Foods or a specialty food store. I usually get it from Primaggio in the South End. There's also a Cambridge location mm -hmm. uh, because they tend to have the more seasonal flavors than Whole Foods does. Like Whole Foods usually has like the same four flavors all the time. Um, but for the second year in a row, I'm a proud member of the Jenny's Pint Club where you receive a box of four pints of ice cream four times a year. So I actually just had my spring box rerouted and shipped to from Boston to Mississippi um, and have just really been enjoying that. So unless there's like a flavor that's brand new and I'm dying to try, most of the time I'll just, I'll find it locally. Okay. Okay, that's like good cream, cream puff is impossible to find in stores. It is. So you have to order it online? I, God, I don't even know how I would have ever tried cream puff because I've never in my life seen it in store. All right. That's going to be something I'm going to investigate after this just because I'm really curious on where this is on, on trying some cream, uh, the cream puff ice cream, and I don't know where to find it. Okay. So it'll be on my list. Okay. So with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is from my mother, which is just so picturesque. And it's really simple. And she would always tell me like, hey, sleep when you're tired, drink when you're thirsty, and eat when you're hungry. Like, and I don't know why, but I always just come back to that. Like, when in doubt, I'm probably like hungry or thirsty or tired. <laughs> but I think just in life, like give yourself what you need. Cause those are like basic human needs and everyone has them. And you should just eat when you're hungry, and mm -hmm. drink when you're thirsty and mm -hmm. sleep when you're tired or just do yoga nidra. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get that rim in quick. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's, that's absolutely fantastic advice, especially right now. Mm -hmm. because it's difficult to do all of those because it's hard to tell of our I know on my side like am I eating because I'm bored like I've eaten I don't know how many times today am I bored am I actually thirsty have yeah. I actually slept it's it's a weird what day is it what month is it is yeah, it still you know, 2020 I, yeah I'm careful sharing that advice because it's not in any way meant to like shame or reel in someone's eating, drinking, and sleeping. It's more like, just do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. So Salem, thank you so much for chatting with me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Yuri. You're welcome. If the listeners would like to get a hold of you or see more about what you're working on, where's the best place they can go for any of those? Um. You can request to follow me on Instagram. I'm private. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Instagram handle is Salem, and then Salem spelled backwards. So Salem Milos. It's pretty artsy. Uh, it's a palindrome. <laughs> uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, where I'm an Autodesk hype girl. And you can find me, hopefully, 
back at my desk, catty corner to Yuri, bothering him all day. <laughs> so I will put links to two of those, okay. two, of the, two of the three in the show notes, so people can click through and follow you on Instagram, follow you on LinkedIn, and I guess if they get really interested, they can come find us at the office whenever that opens up again. Yeah. Soon, hopefully. Exactly. Awesome, Salem. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Namaste. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.